get really introspective. You know, I want you to figure out who you are as a person and, you know, what events have happened to you within your time at the university or in other universities that you transferred from that are formative in who you are. Everybody. Welcome to another episode of Under Oath, a podcast brought to you and hosted by the organization Women Pursuing Law. I'm Hani Siddiqui, WPL's president. And I'm Zara Kabir, WPL's vice president. Under Oath will aim to shed light on different career paths within law, give you the chance to hear from noted speakers, and show the industry from the POV of a woman. Under Oath will also serve as a platform dedicated to empowering women and non-binary conforming individuals in the law industry. So if that aligns with your ideas, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Under Oath. I'm Kavya, and I'll be your host for today. Today, we have a very special guest, if I do say so myself. Many of you know and love her. We finally have Dr. Kirby as our guest today. For people that don't know Dr. Kirby, she's currently the pre-law advisor at UTD and the director of Moot Court. Dr. Kirby graduated from SMU in 1983 with her JD and then did her PhD in political science in 2015. I'm very happy to be here today. I know there are lots of folks out there who know me. I think my message today of greeting is to the people who don't know me. Uh, I don't know what it is sometimes a fear of when someone says, go talk to the advisor about this. Maybe it's just everybody has had some kind of bad experience somewhere back there with someone whose title is advisor. But I just want to say anybody who's thinking about law school, anybody who's thinking about either the next cycle or people who are applying right now, but still haven't talked to me yet, you know, please make an appointment. There's absolutely no reason when it comes to law school applications to go it alone. I want to begin by asking you exactly about those misconceptions that a lot of people have with people that are interested in going to law school. Some may be on the fence, some may not know exactly what to do. What are some things to consider when you're thinking about going to law school and what skills and factors should someone keep in mind before deciding on that path? Um, I think that, you know, the, the main trepidation that especially just coming in freshmen and sophomores may have about it is they may have had this idea, even for a long time, that I want to be a lawyer, but they don't really know and understand what it is that lawyers actually do. And that is exacerbated by the fact that there are so many different types of practice of law. What I want to do with the Pre-Law Advising Center is to move from, you know, I I think I'm interested in law to something that clicks that says, I see what different types of lawyers do, and I can see myself doing that. And so the process of getting from, you know, this kind of vague idea of what it is to, I can actually see myself doing it, um, does involve a lot of introspection. it, what we start with, like from the time that we have the pre-law kickoff um, until the time that you're applying to law school is to try as much as we can to connect you to uh, lawyers who are practicing in different areas of law. And I would say that 
our two organizations, the Women Pursuing Law and the John Marshall Pre-Law Society, do as much or more of that, of connecting to people in the legal community than even I do in the Pre-Law Advising Center. And so we have a lot of different avenues where you can meet and greet with attorneys, talk to them. And then the other thing that we do quite a bit of is meeting with and talking to the uh, admissions uh, representatives from all of the different law schools. And every one of the uh, admissions reps from Texas law schools will meet with us and fortunately back on campus to a great extent. And, and I think that that's something that, that students don't realize is that law school admissions is a smaller world than you think it is. The, I know we had an event where Mario Villa from uh, UT Law came to campus and met and shook hands with and talked to everyone individually who wanted to. I don't know why more students didn't want to, but truly Mario will look at the application and he'll say, I remember that student. I met them at UTD. And so there's so much, I think that's, you know, kind of first and foremost, all of these opportunities to make connections. I would say for anybody who's at UTD, who's thinking about law school, go to the events, go talk to Dr. Kirby. Um, because from personal experience, I can tell you right now, the word networking, the word advisors kind of was like, I don't want to go talk to an advisor. What are they going to do? But it truly helped me so much figure out, clear up so many things and help me figure out, hey, this is this is where you're supposed to be heading. But I, but I also want to emphasize that it is a two-part process. The first part of figuring out that it is the career that you want. And then the second part is me guiding you through the admissions process of looking, you know, talking about the LSAT, about your personal statement, your resume, what kind of things you should do uh, to enhance your resume, what classes you should take uh, as electives, whatever your major is, so that you can get a better sense of what law school's going to be like. So it's kind of a, you know, hands-on from, from beginning to the, the last part, which we'll be coming to very quickly in the spring, is where students are getting um, their admissions and, you know, congratulations, you've been admitted and here's how much money we're giving you. So I can help them to figure out what is the best offer, what's the school that's the best fit for you. UTD specifically offers so many like different laws, classes that you can go and join and see like, this is interesting, that is interesting, kind of figure that out. Are there any that you recommend specifically that pre-law students should take? Yeah. I always recommend no matter, and of course, law schools for every major, I think it's extremely important that you major in what you love and what you want to learn and what you're going to make good grades in uh, and don't have those preconceptions that, you know, I have to be a political science major or uh, I have to do something where I'm writing a lot. You know, we have majors all across the spectrum, but I always recommend that students take either constitutional law or civil liberties or both. Those are both political science classes. And the reason is that they are taught in the case law method. Uh, so you're reading a brief in cases. It's law school like Dr. Gray and Dr. Miller are not going to grill you like law professors do. But there will be lively discussions in class about the different cases. But every course you take in law school you're reading and briefing cases. 
And I've had so many students, you know, after they get to law school, contact me and say, Dr. Kirby, I'm so glad you made me take con law because I know how to read and brief a case. And I actually have classmates who do not. The other class that I really recommend that, that people take is business law. And there mm -hmm. are multiple sections every semester, every time. JSOM even has a, a prefix for it, B-L-A-W, B-Law, because mm -hmm. it's offered so much. And everyone who teaches it is a former attorney. They're all excellent. I've never, everyone who comes to me and says, I love this professor, it's all the different professors. And the thing about business law is that when you get to law school, the curriculum is the same for your first year and a half, no matter if you go to UNT Dallas or you go to Harvard. It's contracts, torts, real property, legal research and writing, um, legislation and regulation, criminal law, constitutional law. So a good solid half of that is based in business law. You know, the contracts, torts, agency, real property. And I have so many students who come to me who say, I took business law and now I think this is what I want to do. I think throughout like all the things that you've said so far, I think a good way to put it is don't be a cookie cutter version of what you think a law, pre-law student should be. <laughs> right. And, you know, when it comes to personal statement time, you know, and, and all of those out there who have talked to me about their personal statements are going to nod their heads. It's like one of the first things I say is get really introspective. You know, I want you to figure out who you are as a person. And, you know, what events have happened to you within your time at the university or in other universities that you transferred from that are formative in who you are? I mean, let's think about you're, you're going from like age 18 to, you know, a legal drinking age. It's a very transformative time. And so you really need to get reflective about how have I changed? Who am I because of my university experience? And you know, like I said, how can I see myself in the future? What can I see myself doing? So we've spoken a little bit about the classes, the organizations. One major thing that people think of when they think of getting into law school is the LSAT. I think you can get started too early. Um, we have a particular type who are pre-law students, right? And there's this constant even from freshmen, sophomores, this stress about, you know, am I too late? Am I doing the right things? A very type A kind of personality comes into, you know, the, the law school experience. Uh, and so I have a lot of eager beavers who want to get started right away. And I don't suggest it. I think you grades are important as well. When we've got two numbers, we've got grades and we've got LSAT score. So I think your early focus really needs to be all about the grades. Then when you start getting into your, you know, uh, if you really must, if you must get started, then I, I think that there are things that you can do. Generally, though, what I suggest is that when you are in the spring of your junior year, you should start getting prepared because you need to take the LSAT in the summer before your senior year. And so if you're wanting to take the June, and of course it depends on kind of what your schedule is. So if you're wanting to take the June test, you should be preparing all throughout that spring. If you wanna take the August test, get started in the spring, but have the whole summer to prepare. And then I, I kind of think as the last test, 
idealistically would be the October test uh, in during October of your senior year. Of course, we, you know, things happen and we have people who end up taking the test a little later, but I, I don't like it. I know it happens, but, but plan for, you know, in your junior year is going to be really when you start thinking about the LSAT. So here's something you can do for, for everybody who just like, I just feel like I need to do something. Get the Power Score Logic Games Bible. Everywhere on the internet, it says the Power Score Logic Games Bible is the way you learn the logic games. And for, you know, the other two parts of the test, reading comprehension and logical reasoning, they really are skills that you've been practicing your entire undergraduate career, like reading comprehension. Pretty much what you've been doing is reading and comprehending and writing papers about it and taking tests about it. And so, you know, those are skills that practice and timing are going to be. But the logic games are tricky because they have all those different weird strategies that you have to learn. So get the logic games Bible. And then just start like doing a logic game every week and build yourself up to doing it every two weeks and do it like it's a Sudoku or a crossword puzzle. It's a game. So start doing it as a game and, you know, one a week and then two a week. And then by the time that you get ready to, you know, really start preparing for the LSAT, you'll already have that skill kind of started. Now we know a little bit more about what it takes to get into law school, what you need to do during your undergrad. But I think the true question is, how hard is it to stay in law school when you get in? And will it be a good fit for everybody? Well, if we might speak empirically, you know, I, I have to use that PhD once in a while. If we might speak empirically, there's a strong statistical correlation between how you do on the LSAT and whether you will make it completely through law school, and more importantly to the law schools, whether you will pass the bar exam. And so if you're getting a good number on the LSAT, it is a good indication that if you apply yourself, you're gonna be able to make it through. There's also a strong statistical correlation between your GPA and whether you're gonna make it through the dreaded first year. And that only makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you can just think about that. It's like, if I've got a good GPA, it shows that I know how to learn, how to study, and especially under changing circumstances. So I think those two numbers are gonna tell you pretty much I've got what it takes. The thing about your first year of law school, which I was dreadful, and you know anyone who tells you, oh no, I thought law school was fun, I mistrust them right off the bat. Uh, but the thing that I think is difficult about your first year of law school is that it's such a different way of studying than than undergrad is. And that was what was difficult for me is that um, my study habits that I had as an undergrad did not apply well to law school. Uh, and I can tell you, I was one of those students who I went to class religiously when I was an undergraduate. I uh, listened and took copious notes. I maybe or maybe didn't read the materials and I still made A's. And so you get very full of yourself when you've been that kind of student and you think, oh, I'm gonna go into law school. I'm gonna be a big fish in a little pond and no. Uh -uh. 
everybody is brilliant when you get to law school. And so even if you're very smart, you find yourself kind of in that where I was in the soft middle. And I think, you know, I've had a lot of people since then express to me and it, it kind of the light bulb went off about what the problem was. When you're reading and briefing cases for every class and there's only one exam at the end and you don't know, and it's all in very legalistic, arcane language, you don't know what you're supposed to be getting out of the cases that you're reading. And so it's a very, it's really slow. And then once you get to the end of your first semester and you've taken exams and you figure out, oh, that's what I was supposed to study. Then you do a little better the second time in reading through things faster in getting out of it, what you need to get out of it. But at first, and I mean that first semester, it just doesn't seem like there are enough hours in the day to read everything that you're supposed to read. And I think that's why the reading comprehension of part of the LSAT is so important. I mean, ultimately what happened to me was I got it to be a very, very, very fast reader. I can read through a case so fast, and pull out of it what I need to get from it now. Uh, but you know, when you're a one L, you know, that's a skill you don't have yet. And you just, it's, you have to learn it. And this is why I say take con law, take civil liberties. So at least you've read cases before you get to law school. If I may ask, what helped you get through that first year? If it was that hard and that tough, like what kept you going through that first year? I think one of the things that got me through was uh, my, my mother and my husband were, you know, supporting me while I was going to law school. And they kept saying to me, you know, if this doesn't work out, it's okay. That's really what it was for me. And, and you know, like I say, there is kind of a point where you're like, I, I see, I see what I'm supposed to be doing. I see what I'm supposed to get out of this. And I, I got way better at it by my second and third year. Um, a little bit ago, we, you touched on like the admissions process and everything. And I think a lot of people question, is it, is law school admissions just a numbers game? Um, and if so, like, how should a pre-law student, what should they do to aim to get into a good law school? I wish I could sit here and tell everyone it's not a numbers game, but I would be doing everyone a great disservice. Um, I would say this, that uh, the numbers are significant, but they are not everything. I still will have students who have numbers that are not going to get them into particular places. And, and they're like, but why? But why? And it's like, you know, you have to get to a certain threshold. And so you can have numbers that are below the medians of particular law schools. And if you have a great resume and a great story, they're still going to be interested in you. But there's just a certain level that, you know, it's kind of like, I'm sorry, that's just not law school material. And like I say, they, they, they have this proprietary interest in their rankings. And law schools, will, as they tell you that numbers don't matter, they'll tell you rankings don't matter as well. But then why do they work so hard to get numbers that enhance their ranking? So maybe you're at that kind of 3.1, 3.2, and it's like, mm, that isn't meeting anybody's medians. 
but you can make a great score on the LSAT that's above a school's median. Then they're going to be very interested in you because the more 4.0s they take, the, the more they can take lower numbers and still maintain their median. Don't despair. And then at that point in time, when it comes to what I would call the soft skills, it's just separating yourself from the other people who have the same numbers that you have. And that's where the very well-drafted personal statement that tells about who you are as a person and makes the admissions people read it and say, wow, I really like that person. I really want that person in our school. And that's where I am the personal statement whisperer. That's probably the closest involvement I have with our students who are applying is helping them with their personal statements, going over that first draft and saying, okay, I like this, I don't like this, tell me more about this. Then getting into the second and third draft, looking at passive voice versus active voice and grammar and punctuation and those types of things. And so um, that's, you know, once again, don't go it alone. Uh, we can take whatever numbers you have and then just uh, make sure. And I do wanna say, I wanna talk about diversity. Uh, the ABA has been pressing law schools to get a more diverse student body. And they have made some inroads into that. I think especially last year when applications were so high that law schools um, increased their diversity somewhat but I would say not enough. And uh, so anyone who has a background, race, ethnicity, um, you know, income disparity when you were growing up, um, gender uh, or gender identification, I think it's important for us to highlight that so that law schools can see, you know, I'm a candidate who brings something different to, you know, to your law school. Do you think that trend is going to continue where the ABA pushes for diversity for law schools? Absolutely. Absolutely. So for our final question, the thing that I like to ask all of our guests, what would be the best advice you could possibly think of to give our pre-law listeners? Besides come talk to me. Besides come talk to you because Early that and is, often. <laughs> everybody will go after listening to this podcast, everybody is going to go talk to Dr. Kirk. And I will say I'm, I'm still doing virtual appointments and I'm booking them through Microsoft bookings. So go to the website and the link is there where you can make an appointment with me. And I would say it's going to be January uh, because I'm, I'm talking pretty much exclusively this week and next week to students who are in the current admissions process. Everybody's trying to get their applications in before December. And maybe that's the best advice I can give is um, you want to get your application in early. It's very tempting when you see that law schools have a deadline of you know, March or April to think, oh, I can wait until the last minute. And it's rolling admissions. And so they are admitting people right now, they were admitting people in November. And you want to be in that group uh, because that's also where the money is. 
you know, what you want to be applying at the point in time that law schools still are interested in looking at your application completely. And there still is money for them to give to you if they're interested in having you. And with that, that wraps up our fifth episode with our pre-law advisor, Dr. Kirby. I want to thank her again for taking the time out of her schedule to speak to us about law school and all of the recommendations and insights that you have about it. As always, this is Under Oath, and I rest my case. Thank you for tuning in today to our bi-weekly episodes. My name is Maisha Shaif, and I'm the production chair for WPL. This episode was edited by Kara Curtis and hosted by Kavya Venagopalan. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you left a short review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow us on Instagram at UTDWPL and LinkedIn at UTD Woman Pursuing Law. Goodbye and stay safe.